1: Today's show is brought to you by OnPay, the new standard in payroll. You can pay employees and contractors in minutes, automate your payroll taxes and filings, as well as provide health benefits and HR in all 50 states. For more information, visit buildingthefutureshow.com OnPay. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Jim McConnell. He's the president of Stream Tech Productions. Jim, welcome to the show. Thank
0: you, Kevin. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I think what you guys are doing at uh, StreamTech is very cool and very much relevant to, you know, how the world is right now. And and you offer a really good tool to help uh, people stream their video and make it more exciting than just a boring Zoom call. But maybe before we get into all that fun stuff, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up.
0: Um, um, yep, sure. I, I grew up uh, actually in Syracuse, New York. Okay, very cool. Um, and yeah, yep. Went to college at Clarkson University, got a business degree. So I'm not really a film or video creative person in terms of how I started my uh, career. But yeah. Um, Ended up getting in the oil business. Okay. Chasing oil rigs around South Texas for a few years and uh, <laughs> hanging out with Roughnecks and talking to people named Shorty. And, um, and then went up to North Dakota for about a year and a half and uh, worked the oil business up there. It was a great experience. Um, and then finally wound up in Denver uh, during the oil boom um, in the early 80s and uh, worked for a, co- a company that was a leader in directional drilling. So um, so my first 10 years was not really involved in this type of stuff. But um, when the boom went bust in Denver, I wanted to stay here. I uh, wasn't apt to move back to Texas or Oklahoma. So uh, I changed careers um, and basically did uh, a Wayne's World, if your audience is familiar <laughs> with that movie. Yep. And Wayne, if you remember, was a uh, community access television guy, right? Well, Wayne yep. Garth. And that's exactly what I did in uh, 86. uh, Denver had just had a big contract uh, for a cable. It was one of the first in the country, and they had one of the best community access channels and just had an interest in this all the time. Uh, So I kind of uh, had some time and money and jumped into that, and the rest is history.
1: Very cool. So... Walk us through your video career up until founding your own companies with Greenworks and, uh, StreamTech Productions.
0: Yeah. Um, sure. It was, um, I actually, uh, after I did, uh, I created shows called Denver talks and a few other things, and it was really a lot of fun and, but it wasn't going to make me any money. So through some contacts, which included a brother-in-law, um, You know, they're always helpful sometimes, right?
1: That's awesome.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, got a job with a company called Aon Corporation, uh, which many people may know if they're in insurance, but it's one of the largest, and I don't know where they're at now, but largest global insurance brokerage and financial companies in, in the world. They're out of Chicago. But they had a local office here with a guy that had been the film commissioner in Arizona, believe it or not. He always had this interest in, video content for underwriting presentations and, and mind you this was 86 so he was a little ahead of the curve and we had dinner and I told him what I like to do and so he hired me here locally to produce some content and uh it just kind of t- took off after several months uh, corporate found out about it and liked what we were doing and so I spent the next oh probably 10 years or so uh working as the uh, director of video services for Aon during the late 80s to 90s, uh, producing content literally all over the world. Um, and and that was that was a lot of fun. And what it really did more than anything is it uh, got me to really understand the call for culture, uh, communications training, that kind of thing, uh, as it related uh, to their business and how to creatively produce this stuff. So I, I very much enjoyed it. Um, more so than the commercial work i was exposed to beforehand uh, just because uh, producing commercials and stuff like that with directors can be uh, an emotional roller coaster to say the least uh, and this was a little more business oriented so um i left them in 97 just as the digital uh kind of component of things was starting to evolve and, and take over um, and started my own company, uh, New West Media. And at that point, I uh, actually got involved in a PBS do- pilot documentary called, uh, that I produced called Building the Information Superhighway.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And yeah, I remember it was all yep. called that. And um, So I spent about a year on that project and that really changed my thinking about the whole video process, even back then. We were pushing video with some engineers in Cerritos, uh, some uh, GE engineers and Hewitt Packard and all these people at that point were looking at getting into all this stuff. You know, uh, it didn't all turn out the way we would want it to, but uh, I think we're there at this point. But um, So I could really clearly see at that point down the road, it, was, it occurred to me immediately, like, God, we're all going to have our own TV channel if this stuff keeps up. Um, so at any rate, that documentary that we worked on was fascinating. We interviewed uh, um, all sorts of people, uh, the chairman of Discovery TV to Timothy Leary. I had a two-hour interview with Timothy Leary. And
1: sure. That's very cool. That was
0: just amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that kind of catapulted New West Media, and I spent uh, another 10 years or so um, really doing that as a uh, production company, independent production company here in Denver. And, and then um, we, we met a, I met a business partner and a couple other people, and we created a company called Greenworks Video in uh, early 2000s, 2000, uh, 2000, probably 2004, 2005. And that was a green screen studio, pretty innovative for the time. And uh, we created a ton of content studio quality stuff for a very inexpensive way using technology, the evolving HD technology. And we're, we're pretty successful with that. Um, and, but I tend to like to keep moving the ball forward. And, and I kind of went back to those early days when I was doing the uh, documentary and that whole thing about live video and over the, the Internet really eating at me. So about three or four years ago, uh, we created a sister company off of that, which is now more the main company that I work called StreamTech Productions, which really specialized in what we would call streaming video. But for us, uh, streaming videos kind of, it's just boring, let's face it, in some ways with a single camera and a static shot. I mean, the Super sure. Bowl would be boring if all we had was a static shot. So we wanted to bring more broadcast values to it. So. Our motto basically is stop streaming, start broadcasting. So Stream Tech was about using multiple cameras, graphics, digital effects, and uh, all sorts of stuff within live events, from corporate to uh, associations or nonprofits doing award ceremonies, whatever it was. uh, This is uh, kind of where we were pushing the ball, so to speak. And that's really the space – that stream tech's involved in and and that's what we're kind of excited about going forward
1: oh very cool because well i think even a lot of shows these these days that were shot in a studio with like huge budgets are, are basically doing what you just outlined nowadays right like there's certain shows that are that are basically doing um these like everybody's at home And and maybe or maybe there's a couple people in person, and yeah, they're they're editing in um, pre pre shot stuff, obviously live stuff, and a bunch of other stuff. So how do you guys work with a company or an organization to make that happen for them?
0: So um, so we really look at the market two way well as if we have two markets. Uh, There's corporate communications. And then there's what we would call events or event planners. Okay. And in corporate communications, uh, we basically uh, come in for, for what they produce, which which would be what, what they stream or have meetings about now. It's more of a one-to-many where uh, the CEO's making an address or perhaps it's a town hall meeting or something where they have to get their message across. And let's face it, the way that a lot of those are done now is much like a webinar where there's a single camera single shot of the of the presenter and sometimes they even wide enough to get the PowerPoint if they can't integrate it and sometimes it's a technical snafu and we all know about that so anything would be boring even the Super Bowl would be boring if all you had was one wide static shot on the field for instance sure Uh, it's the way our brains are wired what we want is something more sophisticated it's what brings us and what engages us so we bring more of a broadcast model, meaning we'll use multiple cameras, three, four, five cameras, show different shots, show have digital effects, bring in graphics, and produce a town hall meeting, for instance, uh, like a TV show. And the idea there is you have a much more engaged audience. In fact, we had a Fortune 500 company that we did a, a test, a side-by-side test. They had always used their teleconferencing capabilities, which, again, is that single camera type of thing to broadcast out to the their audience of, you know, uh 30,000 people worldwide. And we came in with that approach and was wildly successful, but we wanted to get empirical data. So we set up uh, a couple of key offices, I think 11 or 12, and we basically broadcasted the way they normally do and then broadcasted the way we were and you know, the vote was twelve to nothing <laughs> in our favor that it was much more gay. People loved it. The feedback was good. And it makes sense, Kevin. It, it's it's just like I said, just think of any live T V or event or something you're watching. I mean it's just that's why they have multiple cameras. Our brains are wired that pulls us in. So our motto stop streaming, start broadcasting, is really about you know, start engaging your audience. Um, so so that so the corporate communications is a little different because they have different requirements and needs they need met and it's more that type of thing Whereas event planners and if you think about that right now as we talk uh you know we're in the middle of this pandemic still and event planners if you think about it kevin are like at the tip of the spear yeah i mean yeah these people have lost every you know they're these are people who have been in the business 30 years, 40 years, some of them, and what are they planning? There's no logistics because there's no live events, and the move to virtual events uh, is not really good for them. They're not, this is all online, and they have to kind of adjust. And so it's a really difficult situation. So with, with event planners, our approach now is to, again, come in to them and say, okay, you can't do 1,000 people anymore for this big major fundraiser, but, you know, maybe you can have 50 people in a space that you design and you treat like a television studio. You throw in a couple of, maybe a Jack and Jill, a couple of people that can interview and move around. You invite some VIPs maybe a few people get awards and you produce it like a TV show. So now, instead of the virtual talking heads zoom kind of conference look that we're all pretty much over at this point you create TV right and you can still reach but now you're doing it in an engaging way that flows like TV and uh, so for for that group of people it's been a I've, we've gotten a great response we're we're like a lifeline to many of them they're really enthusiastic about this approach and uh, the numerous proposals that they've given out. Uh, most of them, I would say, well, maybe 75% of them are being accepted by their clients. So it's a new world and, and, you know, we're pretty excited about the possibilities. Uh, you know, like anything else now, there's a lot of question marks. There's no playbooks, right? Yeah. So, um, so for us, that's, that's pretty exciting. We're, we're pretty comfortable. Technically we can pull it off, but, um, the execution on the other end of this just you know what's the audience going to think is, is is soon to be determined but the initial stuff uh it really looks great
1: no that that's really cool so do you guys or well are you guys willing to basically go wherever people need or are you only doing in in america or denver or or what geographical regions yeah. do you usually try to work in
0: yeah well uh, uh, you know, global travel right now is just, uh, we have done, we did uh, something in Switzerland last year, okay.
1: uh,
0: and we, uh, a couple years ago we did uh, two things in Japan, but right now global travel is just... It's not happening. Um, yeah, it's not going to happen. We certainly have traveled plenty of places within the U.S.,
1: okay. and,
0: uh, and we're, we're still, we have not done any during the pandemic, but... Even with the stuff I was telling you about with corporate and all that, it's not like anybody's moving today. We have a lot of stuff coming up later in the summer. So, right. But all of it right now is in Denver. Okay. Um, our, uh, so Colorado, this, this area, we've got something up in Wyoming, I think, in two months, um, is where we're focused during this time because a lot of what we also want to do is learn a lot of things. Uh, and this is a great breeding ground for that, quite frankly. So we're, um, but we absolutely uh, are national in scope. The issue then becomes uh, cost. Right. Um, so our costs are very affordable. You can uh, produce content, have us come in and produce a show like this for literally a tenth of what it used to be 10 years ago. Um, the costs are, are very, very, uh, low, very, um, we've really kind of flattened out the hierarchy of producing something by using robotic cameras. And, uh, just, I, you know, something that used to take me a dozen or so people before now I can do it two or three people. And so it's, so it's a lot easier. So in that sense, travel is also a lot easier. I don't have a truckload of equipment. I got stuff that could almost be literally, uh, you know, not maybe carry on, but checked. So, um, so we can move but it's just you know this early on still the way we look at it, um, we're not crazy about doing it, but absolutely if someone's interested uh, you know we would definitely talk to them and, and love to come out there and give them some numbers and, and do it
1: so sure so do you have some like rough costs of of what it what it costs or yeah. does it really depend on what people are looking to do yeah
0: um, there's some things like, uh, Kevin, like in the corporate communications realm, let's say sure, that's pretty easy to just kind of quantify, qualify, you know, because the typical corporate let's, let's say we're talking about uh, a typical financial quarterly meeting that a corporation would do to broadcast everyone. Right. Okay. Yeah. So we'll, we'll take that as our example in the corporate communications uh, area. So that's generally something that's an hour and a half long yeah maybe sure um so we can come in there and shoot that and let's say in this in this case too you know you got someone at the podium or sometimes there's a they're on stools or something having a little panel q a but everything's within that space so we can do this with three cameras and we use robotic cameras because no one's really moving a lot and we can still follow them with robotic cameras but we can preset two shots and three shots and You make it look like it's a bunch of, you know, as many angles as you want. And I can have one camera operator. So, and then I have that's operating all the cameras. And then I have one person that's switching the show, so to speak, bringing in graphics and what have you. So in those scenarios, that's kind of a basic setup, three cameras, two techs. uh, Our cost to produce a show is less than $4,000, sometimes closer to three. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's that's, very cost yeah, So that's what you do. Very. It's, it's affordable to any any company with even some remote employees or something that wants to do this. It's very easy. Yeah. And then you can just add on from there. You know, if you have to have us create content or whatever. So we started a very, uh, very affordable base, and the reason for that, like I said, is I don't. I can, these guys can set that up. In an hour hour right. and a half so i don't have to check if, if this thing's at one o'clock we can literally come in there in the morning set it up do all the testing have everything kind of dialed in shoot it and be out of there by three or three thirty that's not like it used to be where we have to come in and like an av company or think of that and you're setting up and you're spending a half day set up and a, you know testing and you got a video engineer now we don't have to do that anymore and that's connecting the dots right technology, right internet platforms. And thank God, you know, the networks have gotten much more robust and strong and stable now. So that allows us to be able to do this with uh, a high degree of integrity.
1: No, I, I think that that's awesome. I, I think that's that's really great. So I'm curious though, to get your thoughts on like other than, cost and the technology is moving like crazy how have you seen the industry evolve even just over the last five or ten years because so many people just stream their content or or whatever from the internet now right like they've cut some of the traditional medias so how do you like how has things changed and, and where do you think things might go in in the space yeah
0: um, boy, that's, that's a, that's a big question, but I'll try to make it as small <laughs> as I can, but <laughs> sure. yeah, it's a great question. I mean, um, you know, one of it, one of the things I would look at is to what degree is the permanence of people working from home? Right. Okay? I don't know. I think we can all agree that, um, this whole grand experiment for the last almost three months, let's say about people working at home, and I call it the grand experiment because, in my opinion, uh, telecommuting, we should have been doing to this degree 10 years ago, literally. I, I never understood why telecom- um work, however you want to look at it, yeah. wasn't a, a bigger slice of the workforce. Sure, It has driven me crazy, particularly from a standpoint of congested highways and air pollution.
1: Yeah. It's well, been even- one of
0: my pet peeves
1: well oh, I 100 percent agree with you and then I also think it's just like as somebody like i as my day job I work like uh, as on the design side at a startup it, it's always funny to me how so many companies are like you need to work nine to five in an office and we expect you to be creative or or like other people that in a lot of cases it's not about a, a certain time period of the day it's like I'm not a morning person like some of the, my best creative work happens at like nine or ten or eleven o'clock in the evening so why would you sure. try to force sure. me to work at 9 to 5 when my most creative time is like almost like middle of the night, you know? Absolutely.
0: So, you're, you're right. And, and what, it, what it is, is digital has allowed us to do that. totally. As a lot, now, what I believe the reason why we're living, have until maybe now, under an, it's an archaic management style that's industrial-based and not digital-based. Totally. So, I have always seen it that way. When I when I had the discussion or the debate with people, it's always been that, I, I because everybody says, well, "Yeah, how come?" Because my argument was always, you know, how many of us get up in the morning, get on our laptop, look at our so we get on, we we stare at a screen, and then we get in our car, we go to, we put our coat up, we sit down at the desk, stare at a screen for eight hours, go home as soon as we get home, stare at a screen for a little bit, and go to bed. So I was like. What's the deal with that? I don't I don't get it. We're, they're working on a screen and a keyboard. So why isn't it – what's the point of getting in your car and driving to a building and all the energy and time and, and, and what's the 8 to 5? And So the argument is always that, well, we're not sure people will be productive, right? Yeah, I mean, that's it. Totally. That's kind of what it is. And the reason why they can be productive is because we're lording over them. We're physically – Managing them, they're all in the same place and it's like uh, i don't know if your audience is aware of nicholas negroponte maybe you are but uh it's the difference between bits and atoms right yeah so the industrial is more about atoms people physically be in there and bits are about you don't have to be so um so the silver lining in this pandemic has been that so nobody wanted to test it. I mean, there's teleworking. It's been a small amount of it. And, some, and all, by the way, all the tests showed, whether it's San Antonio or Silicon Valley and all these places where, tests, you know, they, they've really studied it, have shown that productivity, at the very least, isn't affected. And in many cases, it's increased, to your point about whenever you're more productive and having the freedom to do that. So, but the problem was we weren't moving off the snide, right? Yeah. It was crazy. So this pandemic, that's what I said earlier, that's why I started it, has been, whether we liked it or not, we were thrown into the grand experiment. It's like, well, I know everybody was hesitant about doing it, but now you had no choice, right? Yep. And sometimes it takes something that big to move the needle forward, right? Sure. So so I know this is a long No <laughs> no I'm, answer to your question. It's, but, it's good, it's good. But it's it's um but I think, so for me, it's how much permanence is going to be there by next year. Sure. And I, I'm hopeful because i got to be honest with you. Let's say you're you know, the CEO of a company that employs 3,000 people or something, and you've got three floors or whatever, downtown Denver, let's say, and all of a sudden – and you weren't doing a lot of teleworking, you, you know, you're you're that you you're that mindset I was talking about. Well, after three months, you're looking let's say this is enough time to see if everybody's doing their job and stuff's pretty productive. And for the most part, let's say it is. And they're like, Huh, this works. Well, let me ask you this. Are you gonna go talk to your commercial real estate and sign up for three floors again? Or are you gonna start to think, huh, we can do this with one floor? Because I also gotta figure out how am I gonna work people in and out with the new uh, socially distancing restrictions. Yep. I got to reconfigure three floors. So You start to think from an operation standpoint, this is messy. Then I asked you, Kevin, then why would you go back to doing the way? Why wouldn't you say, Hey, boy, we pulled this off. I, w- I wasn't sure, but man, my people are productive. I'm going to talk to my lease person and say, we don't need all that space. And in fact, I'm going to tar- start to think this way about all
1: sorts of stuff. Sure. Well, the other thing that um, I never understood is it's not that hard to not work in an office, too. Like, just because you're sitting at a computer at in your chair doesn't mean you're working. Like, it, sure, I'm at an office. Like, it's not that hard, right? Like, I, everybody's done it. And, and so m- majority of people that work an office job have deliverables. And sure, you can maybe... Screw around for a few days, maybe a couple of weeks, maybe even longer than that. But eventually, whether you're at home or at work, you're you're, people are going to figure out that you're not doing anything, right? Like it has nothing to do with where you're located. Like eventually, people will figure it out. And majority of people that sit in a uh, office, like they're like they're working on a piece of a bigger project and if their piece doesn't get done in the time that they're supposed to get it done, like you can figure out who's the bottleneck very quickly. Right. And so I never really understood that. And you're right. I think these kind of archaic mindsets around working are going to have to die off because the best people in any industry that have the option to work at home are going to pick working from home and they might choose to come into the office a day or two a week. Some of them might never, but I, I think if you don't let people have this freedom that they've proved to you that they can work in, they're just going to go to some other company or your competition that allows them to have the freedoms that they want.
0: Well, and, and, and turning that around, and I couldn't agree with you more, but turning that around, Kevin, let's say that the person, persons, whatever have proved their productivity hasn't been affected. Sure. Then let me ask you, what's in favor of you as the CEO who's ever in charge of it? What's on the pro side for you to move them back in the office?
1: There's none other than you lording over I, them. I can't think of any.
0: I, you seem like an intelligent guy. I feel fairly – I mean, that's what I think we may be in the midst of here. That's where that change – they're going to start to think, you know, because everybody's got a plan for this return. Yep. I am very hopeful that for the most part that's how it's gonna come up on the on the pros and cons. It's gonna be like, okay, what's the pro of going back of moving what by twenty let's just say twenty or twenty five percent of the people that I know could absolutely do this out of the home, They'll hit to our productivity, the flow of everything, and what's the pro to bring them back in?
1: No, hundred percent. Well the other thing that's interesting too is uh is if for example people working from home say they lose 15% in productivity let's just say pick a, i'll just pick a random number but okay. if you save 20% in uh office space costs are you you're actually still ahead right like there's well, all not, these like, not
0: necessarily
1: well i, the I guess the
0: only thing i would say to that is depends on there's caveats yeah, 15% to that. Fifteen percent of productivity affected the overall. No, sure. You, but know, you it, know what it, I'm trying to get yeah. at,
1: right? Like, there's ways yeah, to, yes. to get around people That's that right. do lose productivity. You can make up the cost savings in other ways, right?
0: Uh, and and look, this is a management issue, anyway. The way I would do it would say because I, and you alluded to it earlier. This is not a black and white thing. In fact, sure. In, in my world, the way I would say is first and foremost. Let's say there's 50% of the people. I would say, okay, 50% of my employees could do the work at home. So I'll go to those. The other 50% I'll make the announcement, and they're going to get it. It's like, hey, you got to come into work. We'll both. But the other 50%, I would, my first step would be, who wants to volunteer? So that would sure. be number one, to come back into the office. What do you want to do? So the first step is to get – because to be honest with you, there's going to be a lot of people that and I already know miss – the office environment Miss the socializing some of them unfortunately missed the drama or whatever but they want to be there and they need to be there absolutely give do not force anybody to work at home right yep and then the people that work at home you just like anything in work you say okay here's what we expect out of you you got to keep doing the deliverables and if they do take a hit in productivity my first thing on that would not be to accept it, it would just be to say look here's where you're not cutting it, so we need to bring you back into the office sure. so we can get that productivity back in any company. If, absolutely, that's well within reason. Unless you want to correct that, it's kind of like if, we'll give you a third, you know. Now this is just a new dynamic, that's all. So if the person values his time, they're going to get their act together. And if not, they're going to have to come back in. If they don't want to do that, then you let them go. This is just business. So that's how I see how you mitigate that. And and your point being that regardless of that, you're still going to maybe uh, take a little bit of his in productivity, but that's how you would mitigate it. That's how I would do it. I, I think that's pretty
1: simple too. No, totally. And, you know, yeah. But I also think –
0: and I think
1: – Go ahead. Sorry. Keep going.
0: Go ahead. No, 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 no. No, I was going to change turn.
1: the topic a little bit, so keep going. Okay, that's fine.
0: Well, I, I was just going to say that um, – I, you know, just kind of following up on the whole uh, real estate thing, the commercial real estate. Um, I, You know, there, there will be some management of that. If you have a policy like that, you're going to have to have some space for some people or whatever. And that might be the toughest. But, you know, when I look at these things, I want to make sure I'm cross, uh, dotting all the I's and crossing the T's. So that piece would still be out there, but I think that's easily manageable. Uh, the bottom line is I think a lot of these companies should be able to, in many cases, cut their office space in half. And that's huge savings, yep. huge. And we haven't even talked about all the, you know, people's personal lives and the quality of their life going up and the fact that they're not going to have to drive five days a week for an hour each way or whatever. I mean, that alone, for me, if I had to do that, just that, taking two hours out of my day where I'm not stuck in a car, I think would relieve a lot of stress in my life.
1: Oh, for sure. Well, and I think in a lot of yeah. cases, some people end up working during those commute times. So you end up getting more hours out of a person, right?
0: Well, that's what they found in a study in San Antonio, actually, Kevin. Yeah, is that people were more productive. Yeah. Well, the- <laughs> and so, in some cases, they were even kind of sort of working less hours, like sometimes maybe six or seven. But they were doing it, like to your point, you know, three or four hours in the morning, doing stuff with the kids, whatever, later at night, because... And, and, and you are talking about it, but we all had that internal clock that we're wired differently. Yeah. So this allows people to be their very best and not waste time in a car. Two things that are very important.
1: Sure. Well, and I also think, though, yeah. it also allows companies to start innovating and looking for other innovative ways to do something. And, and that's why I think what you guys are doing at StreamTech is actually... Like, sure, you guys have been around for a number of years now, but, like, if if your 3,000 people were all coming to an office a day, now, hypothetically, you're going to let half of those work from home or, or wherever they want to be, you, you need to do—you need to use, like, a service like you guys to actually make some of these big announcements or these events or these That's quarterly cool. meetings— relevant to people and exciting that they want to watch because you're right. The the boring webinar with the person in, in the bottom corner, if they're even shown at all, as you flip through PowerPoint slides sucks, people fall asleep. They don't care. They don't yeah. remember. Right. Oh, they, they don't do. watch they it out. Right. Out. Yeah. But yeah. if you can make it, oh, engaging, I tune out. Sure. Yeah,
0: we all do. Yeah. And it, that's just the way we're built. We're wired to everyone knows that. That's why I use that. Super Bowl example, right? Sure. And when you think about it, you go, "Yeah, that's true." Even the Super, you know, the Super Bowl is like, well, if you're a football fan, yeah, right? Or the seventh game in the NBA Finals, right? If all you had was one wide shot on the court, you know. But it, yeah, it's, it, yes, exactly. So, and, and you're right. In fact, uh, a finer point on that, Kevin, is that uh, companies now are coming up because of this. They have no choice but they have to, in a sense, stream messages to their employees in ways they didn't have to before so yes those new ways will come out I I look at that I think myself and this would be less work for us but I think it may very well I I think companies should just uh, look at their uh, their, they have their own TV channel really quite frankly both to the outside and the inside and the more live content you put on there the better it's gonna be I see that as a potential down the road and when it gets to that point the bigger companies Will not be hiring us they'll just have an in, internal uh production and um you know the bigger companies do i mentioned fedex before fedex was one of the first people that did that gosh back in the 90s uh when they had to deal with two satellite and closed circuit very expensive but um i think a lot of companies because of this distance and everybody being all over the place or at home are going to be kind of funneled into some model where they're going to be communicating that way. And if all you're doing it is with a webcam or whatever, man, you're in trouble. So I think that 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 thought process is going to be there to create, kind of like I've told event planners, I said, (laughs) you're going to, and some corporate communications people, you're going to turn from a corporate communications person to a TV producer. You know, that may be the future. I mean, to some degree, you know, I'm putting that in quotes.
1: No, it's interesting because I think so many companies or or people now are launching a podcast. It seems to be podcast is almost like the new blog. And I think the podcast market is getting so saturated. I think more and more people are going to go to video um, as kind of the next step to that and evolution of that, especially now that... Um, a lot of their audience or, or people, they're going to be going after either getting their message out to their internal employees and or their potential clients or their clients. And I think more and more people nowadays are building businesses that geographical borders don't matter, right? That they don't, they want clients everywhere on every country and every part of the globe, right? I get off, not all industries can do that, but a lot of people can say like, well, I don't care if my customer is next door to me or halfway around the world, right? I need to get the same message or maybe different messaging out to them, and I think some of the best ways to do that is with video.
0: That's that's right. And and do a broadcast quality. Don't don't stream it. So sure and think about if you're a software uh developer or something like that and you have a whole new product you want to introduce right and your marketing team wants to do it totally and there's all sorts of uh, old school ways you used to do that but now why not go live with someone interviewing people in, in a cool place and your thing, and maybe that person interviewing them is an industry writer for a tech magazine or whatever sure and create a sense of something happening here that's fun and Right now, we're going to go over to Lizzie, who's got, yeah, I'm here with a software programmer, and she's kind of irreverent and fun or whatever. But, yeah, why not this way? Now, this is to the outside world. But now, in the past, they may have had a user thing or something where people came in and they introduced stuff and showed people or whatever. No, that's not going to happen now. In fact, quite frankly, from our standpoint, that was never the better. We think there's some ways that doing broadcast instead of bringing people in it's actually superior anyways but that's a different discussion but there's so much you can do too remember this isn't just like tv this is online. so while people are watching it you can poll them you can have q a you can have chat you can have buttons or links to other stuff or more material or whatever so it's like it's a hybrid approach really is how we look at it it's like TV and the online virtual components kind of wrapped into one.
1: No, I I think that's that's really great. But we're kind of coming to the end of the show, so how about we close with mentioning where people can get more information about yourself, uh, Greenworks, and uh, Stream Tech Productions.
0: Sure, sure. Yep. Um, so we do. We will go anywhere and talk with anyone and, and broadcast anyone. Uh, We really enjoy this. And and to get a hold of us is uh, pretty easy. Uh, Our website is uh, dreamtechpro.com, and uh, the tech is a T-E-K. It's not a T-E-C-H. So it's Tech. That's S-T-R-E-A-M-T-E-K-P-R-O.com. And streamtechproductions.com will also get you there. So either one. And I can be reached uh, via E at Jim at Stream Tech Pro, uh, again, S T R E A M T E K dot pro. And our phone number is, uh, you can reach me at 303 517 9279. We are actually located in Golden, Colorado, which is just outside Denver. But uh, again, that's just because we can be here. <laughs> we we go on location, and our uh, gears uh, kind of stored here. And uh, these days, the nice thing is it's easy to get from A to B, isn't it?
1: <laughs> totally, totally. You know, I know. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we can get set up really quick these days. And the other thing I got to say, Kevin, man, it's really nice because the air is so clean. My sure. view at Denver yep. is just outstanding these days. So anyway.
1: No, that that's great, man. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show and I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day, man.
0: Yeah. Thank you.
1: Thank, Thank you, you, Kevin. You as well. Okay. Thanks. Yep. Bye bye. Bye.